Welcome, Eagles everywhere. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and this is the Eagles Live podcast as we turn our attention a little bit to the NFL's scouting combine. And of course, free agency begins on March 13th. So it's a bit of a slow news period. During this time, we're talking to some former players, some current players. This week, we've got one of my all-time favorites, one of the great personalities to ever come into Philadelphia, one of the great defensive ends from the Philadelphia Eagles. Played with the Eagles 1998 to 2002, joined the team again in 2004 for that run to Super Bowl 39. I am joined by the great Hugh Douglas. Big Hugh, how are you, sir? I'm awesome, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Long time no talk. Everything good? Everything's good, man, down here in Atlanta doing doing some radio, uh, you know, just, you know, hanging out. I am not surprised that you're doing radio, Hugh. Um, how did you get into that business? I know after, was it right, was it right when you were done football, did you go right into the media or did you take some time off? Yes, yeah, I went right into the media. As a matter of fact, uh, Derek Boyko, you know, great guy, used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles, used to be the PR guy, mm-hmm. got me into media. Uh, did, did it at WIP for a number of years. Went on to do it at ESPN and eventually landed in, in Atlanta. What do you like about it, Hugh? I like the purity of it. I like the, I like the ability to, to interact with the fans. I like the fact that I have four hours out of the day to, to say exactly what I mean to say. And, and it, it's not easy to misinterpret what I'm trying to say because I get the opportunity to, to talk about it for four hours. You know, Hugh, it's, it's interesting. I remember your time here. You came to the Eagles, a trade with the New York Jets. The Jets selected you in the first round of the draft. You came to Philadelphia, really flourished with the Philadelphia Eagles. And you were such a personality in the locker room with the media. Did you have a sense at that time that your career after football would be something to do in the media? No, I didn't. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I thought that, you know, I, I, I enjoyed talking to the media. I was lucky. You know, we had some great media members. At, at the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know, unfortunately for me, when we first got there, it wasn't so great. We weren't winning, but when Andy Reid got there, we turned everything around, and it was. I had a great time in Philadelphia, and it was easy to interact with the media. So, you know, after a while, Derek Boyko came to me and, and said, basically, "Hey, man, you could probably do this when you're done playing," and got an opportunity. I, I forgot Howard Eskin. Shout out to Howard Eskin. Did something, and he had to be on leave for a little while. And I sat in for him a couple times. And I remember uh, a couple guys up there, uh, Mark Rayfield was yeah. at the time, and, and, and uh, he was one of the guys that, that told me if I wanted to do radio, I had an opportunity to do it there in Philadelphia, and the rest, as they say, is history. How would you compare Philadelphia sports radio and the fans and Atlanta sports radio and the fans? i tell you what, man. Atlanta fans are great, but there's no fans like the Philadelphia Eagle fans, man. I mean, the passion. The, uh, the 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 desire to win like they have it and and, and it's, it's just totally different. Anybody that's been to Philadelphia will tell you, or anybody from Philadelphia will tell you that it's a special sports town. There's no doubt about that. It's a four four town. Not saying that Atlanta isn't a great sports city, but there's something special about Philadelphia. Let's talk a little bit about how Hugh Douglas reached where you are. Growing up in Mansfield, Ohio, how would you describe your your childhood, Hugh? How important was sports? In your life, how did you balance sports and academics? You know, it's funny, Dave. When I was growing up, sports was not a big deal in my household. I just kind of gravitated towards football as a means to kind of stay out of trouble. I was one of those kids. I was a little big kid, a little chunky kid that, you know, was was starting to get into trouble a little bit when I was growing up. And so I started to play football as a way to maintain focus a little bit. 
I remember uh, Ralph Rawls, we used to call him Daddy Rawls. He was a track coach. Used to run a little bit of track, and he said, hey, man, you know, if you want to, he said, you could probably go to school. He said, you could be a pretty good football player if you just focus yourself a little bit. And it was more so that than anything else, just trying to maintain focus as a young man. After high school, Central State in Ohio, all-timer there. I mean, at what point, Hugh, did you get the sense that maybe you could play in the NFL? You know, again, never really thought that because you know how it goes. I mean, you got guys that are, are, are highly touted in high school that go to college and they fizzle out. You got guys that, that go to college and they're great college players and they get to the pros and they fizzle out. So I really never looked at myself as a person that was like, uh, you know, could be a great player. Always try to keep that, that, that humble aspect about me because you just never know how it, it, it could potentially work out. And you never wanted to, to set these real lofty expectations for yourself and fall short. So I, I said, you know, hey, if I work hard and I do what I'm supposed to do, then everything else will work out on its own. By the time you got to the Eagles, Hugh, 1998, very interesting times. Jeffrey Lurie, new in his ownership. Joe Banner running the show from a business standpoint. Ray Rhodes, the head coach. I mean, it was some wild, wild west times. You came from the Jets. Why did it work in Philly? And how would you kind of describe playing at Veterans Stadium, being part of that team? And let's be honest, in 1988, or 1998, that team sucked. I mean, it, it must have been very, very difficult for you to, to come into that kind of environment. You know what? It was fun, though, man. Had a, <clears throat> you got to think, though, Dave, we had a great core of guys. That was like, I think, Brian Dawkins' second year in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Troy Vincent was there. Bobby Taylor. And I think that year we had just drafted Trey Thomas. So we had a good group of guys. We just, you know, unfortunately for us, you know, it was it was during the time where Ray Rose was probably going to be on his way out. I think at, at one point we kind of knew that. It was a changing of a guard, if you will. And that's when, when Coach Reed came in. And we already had a good core of guys that were here. So it was easy. And Troy, Troy at that time, was he was kind of the one that kind of, the glue that kind of held everything together, and then that second year when Andy came, when Andy finally got there, it just we just took off. You know, he drafted Donovan McNabb with his first pick overall, and we just we just got together a great group of guys. Jeremiah Trotter was there. I just think it was a perfect storm for me. I really do. Before we get into Andy Reid and those wonderful years, Ray Rhodes, a character, kind of the forgotten head coach here along with Rich Kotite, at least in my time with the Eagles. Got a good Ray Rhodes story for me? Because everybody certainly seems to have one. Man, any, any good Ray Rhodes story I have, Dave, I cannot tell on the air because it involves a, a, a quite a few cuss words. <laughs> but <laughs> I tell you what, man, just, just an understanding coach, a coach that, that understood football and that allowed players to play. Came from a good pedigree. Came from a good pedigree of coaching tree and – uh just allowed players to play, but was was a real non 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 no nonsense kind of guy. Uh, spoke to you like he was speaking to one of his kids. That's what I remember about Ray. I remember and, Ray and telling me a story thing about him. Ray, um, Ray told me a story about dragging a dog. Did you ever hear the story about dragging a dog on the bumper of a car back when he was a player with the Jet with the Giants? I didn't hear that story. Yeah, I can't tell any more than that story, but. Yeah, because that probably wouldn't, again, that probably wouldn't fly. <laughs> did, it, did it work, though, for the way players responded to him? Did that kind of approach make players want to play for him? I think it did. 
I think it did. And you know what the irony is? I think that when Andy Reid came in, Coach Reid Reed came in, Big Red. His coaching style was the polar opposite of Ray Rose style. But after we got to know Andy, that worked well as well. I mean, Andy was like, to me, man, Andy was a great coach. Andy, Andy still is a great coach. But he got, got us at a time where I remember vividly, when Andy came in, he had those three days of hell. That's what we called it. Where we practiced for three straight days in shoulder pads. And we didn't know what direction he was going in. And I remember him telling us to be quiet and quit complaining because we're getting better. Because he was trying to weed out the bad apples, if you will. And it made us a much better team after that. Was there a moment, Hugh, that Andy Reid really got your attention, really earned your respect, that really turned kind of turned things around here in Philadelphia? Yeah, I remember uh, we were in practice, and uh, you know we didn't know we didn't know Coach Reid. We knew that he was a, a quarterbacks coach when he came from Green Bay. Uh, we had heard the rumors about who potentially was going to be the coach here in, in Philadelphia. And when we got here, we kind of looked at him like, "Oh man, this guy's an offensive coordinator, well, offensive coach." He doesn't know that much about defense. And and we kind of figured that Andy didn't know what he was doing. And I remember one time in practice when we were going through those three days of hell, I remember mouthing something. And I remember mouthing something to the point where I said, man, this cat don't know what he's doing. And he told me, shut the bleep up. Don't you know you're getting better? He said, don't you know you're getting better? And I kind of looked at him, right? And he didn't get mad. He he just was like, dude. Like, to me, that 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 was him saying, dude. I'm trying to get you better. I'm trying to make you work hard because obviously you guys have talent, but you weren't working hard. So that was the moment for me that I realized that, you know, Coach Reed has a plan for us. He has a plan for us, and he's trying to implement it right now. Hugh, from 2000, 2001, 2002, then you came back in 2004. A lot of great success here in Philly. Uh, Yet the ultimate goal was not accomplished. And I wonder how you feel about that so many years later, having seen the Eagles win the Super Bowl, how you felt about that, and do you still have that, that gnawing feeling in your bones that the Eagles didn't win it while you were here? Yes, I do. To answer that question first, Dave, I do, but I'm happy that the city finally has one under his belt. Unfortunately, for me, it wasn't. I wasn't a part of that team. Not, not, saying, not saying that in a jealous way, saying it in a way that, that we felt that we had the team first to, to be the first championship, and this would be the second one. Unfortunately, it didn't happen like that. We look at it like this because we went to, what, three NFC championship games when I was there, four in total, and only went to one Super Bowl appearance and didn't win, lost about three points. We felt that we had the team in that in that era that we played in that we should at least played in two and won one. So, in essence, we feel like that we should have – this should have been our second Super Bowl win. But, hey, those guys got it done, and I like the way that they did it. They did it with attitude. They did it with, with – bravado and they did it in a way that that only truly philadelphia can appreciate and i respect them for that we've seen andy get into the playoffs with the kansas city chiefs and fall short so people naturally ask the question what is it about andy Reid's teams that kind of just don't break through do you have any theories on that do you think it's just coincidental what will it take for andy Reid to win a super bowl you know what? I thought this was the year, and and if you look at it, man, and, and you know, no one play, I can't say this enough. No one play decides the outcome of the game. But darn it, they that D four play when they got the interception when he was offside. Not blaming D four, but dang it, that was it right there. And and you know, I reached out to Coach Reed, told him I loved him, and keep his head up. 
But I, I think it's just, man, it's one of those things that he's being tested. He's being tested. <clears throat> and I thought the same thing that you, you just brought up, that that's what a lot of people are going to think about Coach Reed. I don't think that's fair. I think, you know, you look at the success that the Patriots have had over the years, nine Super Bowl appearances under Tom Brady's regime. That's ridiculous. And they have a certain way of doing things. Coach Reed, is in, he's in position to get it done, man. He just has to stick to his guns. And one day, it's going to turn for him. Bill Belichick was in the same situation. Think about it. People forget. Coach Belichick coached the Cleveland Browns when they were bad. And he was going on that same that same coaching trajectory. And then everything just broke for him, and him and Tom Brady got together, and it just got better. Patrick Mahomes might be Coach Reed's Tom Brady. Now, I hope it, you know, the, the rest remains to be seen, but it looks like he might potentially be on that career path. Hugh, you have uh, a legion of fans here, obviously. Um, they reach out to you, I'm sure. They talk to you about the past, and they always, I'm sure, bring up two things. Jim Miller and Terrell Owens. Every time they can. <laughs> With Jim Miller, I wonder, you've seen Jim through the years, no doubt. Uh, how is How does that go when you see him? Do you... Do you talk about it? Have you hugged since then? Did you tell him you were sorry? Did he say, ouch, that really hurt? What's that What's that relationship like? You know what? Honestly, Dave, I have not seen Jim Miller since then. I, I haven't. I have not. Have not read it to Jim Miller. You know, we had the Super Bowl down here a few weeks ago, and I don't even know if he was on Radio Row, and if he was, he didn't speak. As far as Terrell is concerned, yes, I have. I've spoken to Terrell several times. I remember when Terrell, I, I think Terrell ran like a 4-2. 40 or something when he was out in California we talked about that a little bit and I asked him what what is it you're trying to accomplish uh yeah so I've talked to Terry a little bit you know we've kind of hashed it out a little bit and and you know that was a that was a, a different time there was a, a misunderstanding uh it didn't happen the way that people uh pre- reported it that it happened and you know we moved on from that well you know, I'm I'm interested to hear how how did it happen well basically it was a we were in the locker room and it was a misunderstanding about something that was being said about him. Because you remember that was a time where the infamous uh, jersey game after the Dallas Cowboys that he wore, I think it was a Michael Irvin jersey, mm-hmm. in the locker room after the game. And at the time, I was working in radio, and the radio host accused T.O. of, you know, quitting on the squad. I don't know who he heard it from, but I'm assuming that he assumed that I said he quit on the squad. We exchanged words. There was no blows. We exchanged words, and and that was it. That was basically about it. For the record, there were no blows exchanged. There were attempted the attempt of blows being exchanged, but no blows landed. Let me just say that there were no blows landed. Okay. Okay. Have you ever gotten into a fight, a fist fight, with a teammate or a former teammate? Uh, no, I haven't. You've seen it. There was who was I? I was talking to Ike Reese once. I don't know if you were on the team. There was a fight between Norman Lejeune and Sean Morey. Were you on the team then? Like right before a playoff game. I thought it was 2001. It was like a bloodbath in the locker room. Were you? Oh, I, don't, I don't think I was. I don't. I don't think I was there for that. I don't think I was there for that. I don't remember that. How often are are there disagreements in a locker room? Man, there's been a ton of disagreements in the locker room. As a matter of fact, I remember one one night we had a disagreement like. After the NFC Championship game against the New Orleans Rams, New Orleans Rams. No, excuse me, I said New Orleans Rams. The St. Louis Rams. They moved around so much. I said the name wrong. The, the St. Louis Rams, 
and they had a disagreement on the plane, but that didn't turn into anything. That was just that was more of a frustration than anything. Everybody was just frustrated about the situation. Nothing, nothing to the point where teammates actually came to blows. Okay, that's good to know. I remember Hugh when you left the Eagles for Jacksonville. I was really critical of you. I was. I think I was hurt that you actually left the Eagles for Jacksonville. And I remember talking to you when you came back about it. And and your line to me was something along the lines of, Dave, if somebody offered you, what, what was the number, $5 million more or $3 million more a year, would you mm-hmm. turn it down? And and it totally made sense at that point. So I will, I'm sure I apologize then, but I want to apologize now for being pissed off that you left the Eagles. You know what, Dave, and, and I think about that, and people still ask me to this day, uh, if the same opportunity presented itself, would I do the same thing? I would like to. I would probably like to say, as a as an older, more mature guy, that I would I would make the decision to stay in Philadelphia because I realized how great it was to be there. But you got to remember, like like a lot of these young players, they're making decisions because they're in the now, and they're not thinking of they're thinking about the monetary gains that they're going to get now. You don't think about all the other other added value that that things in life means to you when you know, you're in a city that you love to play in and it's easy to play in and the fans love you. You don't, you don't factor all that in right away. You think about that when you get older. And I would like to think now since I'm older and I know a lot more that I wouldn't make that decision. But it, I, I can't honestly say that I wouldn't. That's a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But fortunate enough for me that I would come back to Philadelphia and I was able to be a part of one of the greatest moments, one of the greatest, not the greatest, but one of the greatest moments in Philadelphia Eagles history and be a part of that. And still can, you know, feel like I can, I can always come back home. To Philadelphia. So that's, that's a great feeling. Do you get back to Philadelphia ever? As much as I would like to. Not as much as I would like to because the way, my, the way that I work and, and the fact that, you know, getting up early in the morning, it's kind of hard to travel, but I like to come back to Philadelphia as much as I possibly can. All right, this is Hugh Douglas. The underscore big underscore fella underscore on Instagram. Great Instagram account. And on Twitter, at BigHugh53. Also, you answer your fans' questions. I love that. You really engage with the fans, and I think that is fantastic. I'd like to conclude with five questions, Hugh, uh, from your time with the Eagles. Uh, Best friend in the locker room when you were with the Eagles? Hollis Thomas. Okay, big Hollis. He's still big, by the way. Um, <laughs> your best piece of Eagle swag that you have displayed in your home? Oh uh, man, I would probably say, uh, my NFC championship game. I mean, my NFC championship ring. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. That's probably, it. I have a few Eagles things. I have some Eagles pictures. I have the, you remember coach Reed used to have us take the captain's pictures. Yes. I have a couple of those. I have the Eagles MP trophy. I know you asked one, but I have a yeah, few. I like to hear all <laughs> this. This is cool. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, and I have an Eagles jacket that I'm not allowed to wear because my boss is a Dallas Cowboys fan, but, you know, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> in Atlanta, you can't talk about that. That's for sure. Uh, the best player on the Eagles in your era? Oh, Brian Dawkins, without a doubt. How about how cool was that when Doc went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year? Man, you know, let me tell you, to, to have played with the Hall of Fame, like, see, I was there on the ground floor of Brian Dawkins becoming Brian Dawkins. As a matter of fact, Brian Dawkins knocked me out on the field a couple of times. You know, it was funny. <laughs> when he came down here, you know, as a Hall of Famer, and he talked about the trifecta game he had against the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. We joked and kid a little bit about the fact. I was like, man, you must have had some really great pass rush that day. 
you know, we joked he cared about that a little bit. But, yeah, I, just to see Dawk do what he was able to do on the field, man, no doubt, Brian Dawkins. Okay. Uh, another question. Veteran Stadium versus Lincoln Financial Field. What is your body telling you about those two playing surfaces now? I tell you what, uh, definitely the link, but the intimidation factor. Like, I used to love going out there on the field when I was young and I didn't feel the pains that I feel now. I used to love when other players went out there and they complained about the turf. And I used to say to myself, you you worried about the wrong thing, brother. But I'm glad that the turf and, and vet stadium is such an intimidator for you. But that was an intimidating place, man. Love playing there. Love playing there. And then final question, Hugh. Describe your relationship then and now with Eagles fans. I would say it was great when I played, and it's still great. It's still great. Okay. Never, never, you never got into it with fans? I mean, you enjoyed that stuff, though. So it was all fun but, for you. you know, like, like, yeah, I look at it like this. It's, it's a rite of passage because, you know, in Philadelphia, like, the fans are going to shoot you straight. And, and I feel like I can shoot them straight as well. And at the end of the day, we can go down to Chicken Peace, get some crab fries, and, and have a great day. I mean, that's, that's Philadelphia. I don't, I don't take it personal. If a fan says something that's, that's, that's not directly personal to me, we can, we can chop it up. We can talk about football, anything else. And even if they tell me I suck sometimes, that's fine too. But I don't, I don't take it personal. Twitter is – I use Twitter for exactly what it is, to entertain and interact with the fans. Perfect. And, Hugh, finally, uh, the Eagles made the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl. A lot of the tough decisions to make here in the offseason. How closely do you follow the team, and what's your opinion of what it will take to get this football team back to the top? i tell you what, man. Uh, yeah, I, do, I still follow the team. that probably don't follow as close as most Eagle fans do. But I do know that, that Nick Foles, uh, you, know, you know, there's a situation with Nick Foles going on right now. He, he's potentially going to be a free agent. I know the Philadelphia Eagles and Eagles fans do not want to lose that guy. Uh, I, I've heard about the rumors about Carson Wentz and some of the things that he said. I think you have a good group of guys, man. I really do. And, and whatever you got to do to keep it together as long as you possibly can, you need to do that because I still think that the Philadelphia Eagles are a threat in, in the East. But I also understand this, Dave. You know this as well as anybody. Money's going to be an issue. And, and if you allow guys to get to free agency, and go out there, and they see all those shiny things, it's going to be tough to get a lot of those guys back. It really is. But I still think that out of coming out of the East, the Eagles are real going to be real competitive. Can't let Dallas win the East anymore, man. Can't do that. Cannot stomach knowing that the Dallas Cowboys won the East last year and everybody was talking trash about that, thinking that the Dallas Cowboys were going to make a run. But if you can do that and get Carson Wentz healthy, man, I think the Eagles will be right back on top. Once an eagle, always an eagle. Give me one. Dallas sucks. Would you please, Hugh? Dallas sucks. Thank you. Hugh Douglas, 54 and a half sacks, fourth all-time in franchise history, 82 career games with the Philadelphia Eagles. I thank you profusely, Hugh, and I can't wait to see you back up in Philadelphia. Please stop by the Novacare Complex. Sign our Pro Bowl wall. We're having all the players who've been on the Pro Bowl sign the wall. We record it. It's a great piece of history for the Philadelphia Eagles and for the players. So please come visit. Definitely, definitely will. My man, Hugh Douglas, thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagles Live podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this week's podcast. We are closing in on NFL free agency, and we'll have it covered here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and our official app. So make sure you're with us every step of the way. Thanks to my producer, Chris Barletto, for putting this all together and making it work so well. And once again, thanks to Hugh Douglas 
for joining the Eagles Live podcast. Thanks, Eagles everywhere. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.